I mean, it's like, uh, for example, you'll, you'll edit this part out. Uh, sure. Like what, or, what I don't know. Rock on, bravo, hello. That was uh, rock on, that, brother. That that really rocked. You know, um, that audio quality on my end. I will warn you, it is really rough, but it kind of gives it. Uh, <laughs> it, it gives it like the uh, old Ariel pink aesthetic. So. Oh yeah. Something to that. It's sounds, uh, yeah. It sounds like not, an eight track. It sounds like a uh, television static. So. Yeah, or like a like rotting like uh, cassette tape. Sounds like blo uh, blood and sinew on pavement. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a niche reference. But um, how are you, Quinn? You look oh, like I'm you've great. You look like you've been spending a lot of time fishing. Oh yeah, you know, Indy always says she's going to get me a hat that says "Women want me, fish fear me," but I kind of <laughs> want it to be the other way around. You want, want fish to fear you and women to want? I guess that is, uh, <laughs> yeah, that is a man's desire, I suppose. You know, it's like we feel for God a mix of love and fear, and that's how a woman should treat her husband, right? <laughs> <laughs> that uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, that was a funny joke. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, Quinn is uh, for those listening. Quinn is uh, one of my best friends. I've known him for many years, and uh, he's exactly. very handsome. He's very smart. He's knowledgeable about a wide variety of topics. And uh, you can hear you can hear how handsome Nick is through his voice. Yeah, through my voice physiognomy. He's whispering in your ear. I uh. <laughs> I want it to be so that Nick whispers in your left ear and I whisper, I whisper in your right ear. Oh, I don't know if I have like the uh, technical kind of uh, competency <laughs> to achieve that. Although that'd be cool. That's like some of those like Beatles songs where like all of the instrumental is in the one track on like the left ear oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the entire vocal is on the right. <laughs> no, yeah. I remember Bob and Doug McKenzie did a, a, a skit like that. Where, where really? the entire joke of this was that one was in one ear and the other was in the other. Uh, it was classic. It was simple, yeah. but it, like that, that's all the jokes, you know? Their jokes are like, okay, so we're going we're gonna to shake some beer cans <laughs> and one of us will get sprayed in the face and that's the punchline, right? But that's also the best possible. Oh, wait, thing. are those, no those Canadian guys? Funny. Yeah, yeah. No comedy has been funnier than that in the history of comedy. Like they nailed <laughs> it, right? Everything else... Nothing is as funny as someone getting like sprayed in the face with a can of beer. Like, yeah, it's like, like a dead genre now. You know, all it, it's like how they say all philosophy is just footnotes to Plato. 
uh, all uh, <laughs> all comedy is just footnotes to uh, Doug and Bob McKenzie. That's great. No, all, all philosophy is a footnote to Girdle. I uh, <laughs> I'm joking. I uh, I do love Bob and Doug McKenzie though. I do love the Great White North. I uh, so I'm planning a hike to Montana. I mentioned mm-hmm. this to Nick, and I didn't realize this until last night. I wanted to call with these guys. It's gonna be. It won't be snowing because it's June, mm-hmm. but there will be snow on the ground. Oh, that's right? the best you can hope for. Feet of snow. Oh yeah. But I'm like, oh, it's summertime, and they're like, no, the snow is still melting from the winter. And in some places, there's snow all year round. I think it's I, like uniquely beautiful when the sun is shining, and yet there is snow like residually on the ground. Oh yes, and it, it doubles the sunburn. It's great. I'm oh yeah, sunburn. true. Or it doubles the sun pan, you know, it depends on your point of view. Could be a glass half full thing. It's scary to see like all the old people like get skin cancer and get all these surgeries. But that's because they literally wore like no sunscreen and were always outside. Right. Which is like, what I do. It's good to get a little sunburn sometimes and get a tan. Like uh I Yeah, no, I, I spend a lot of time outside uh with no sunscreen. If you have fair skin and look like a strawberry when you get sunburned, that's you probably should wear sunscreen. Well, like I don't really burn <laughs> that easily. I get like a light little like uh, toast. If I like spend all day out in like the like mid July sun, I will um, usually pink. come out like pink. a little pink, and then it goes away after like a day or two. So, no. so I'm gifted in that respect that I just don't uh, seem to burn very easily. No, yeah, I uh. I always wonder who has to wear sunscreen and who doesn't. Always, <laughs> I've never, I've, I've never felt comfortable asking, but uh, like who has anyway. to? And uh, you know, my friend Colin is pale, and he wears a ton of sunscreen, right? Uh-huh. Like, uh, I feel like, like if you I, ask a black person whether they wear sunscreen, you're canceled. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, no, you're stepping into like uh, a dangerous I, I don't, I don't territory. Know the answer. <laughs> like, I'll Google it. I'll Google it. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> after afterwards. Like, yeah, um, it's, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know, you're asking the wrong questions. These are, uh, you know, you're going down a path less traveled, shall we say. <laughs> it's perfectly innocent question, like, uh, I know. <laughs> the answer is like, why do you want to know? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> this is like one of those like forbidden fruits of, uh, of knowledge, like uh, race and melanoma, <laughs> melanoma correlation. Just like you know, don't open that Pandora's okay. box. It's like damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Yeah. Because then they'll cancel you for like making sunscreen that isn't good for like black skin. Yeah, right? that's true. And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> like, well, I should have. But I guess I'm not a sunscreen uh, maker, right? That's not my yeah. expertise. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm sure if I was in charge of making sunscreen, I would I would know the answer to this question. Like, yeah, I, I think <laughs> the, honestly, like the uh, this is where I think you usually just want to like you know, throw up, you know, throw in the towel and become a conspiracy theorist and say, oh, I'm a sunscreen truth, or I don't actually believe it works. I actually believe it causes cancer. It's just like, I mean, it has a lot of heavy metals in it. Like, like, this this is what I was saying about hand sanitizer, right? I was like, oh, yeah, like, this shit gives you hand cancer, right? And then, like, you know, halfway through the semester, my university was like, oh, hey, by the way, we gave out hand sanitizer at the beginning of the year. Turns out it has too much benzene in it, and it gives you hand cancer. And I just imagine, you know, like, like 50 years from now, half the Supreme Court justices will just have nubs for hands, 
right? Because <laughs> they went to, oh my God. They're like, oh, like, here you, here you. And they like knock on the desk with their nub. Because with they their, they, yeah, with their stub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. stump. Like, they call them stumps. I think. I don't know. I don't know what the politically correct term is, but uh, but I think that they're that stump yeah, is. If like you ask them if they get sunscreen on their stump, oh, you're canceled. It's a whole can of worms that you said like that. Yeah, and, and as far as like the hand sanitizer point, though, I literally don't understand like how um like normal people like they just like live with this cognitive dissonance of thinking that like all the chemicals and like the food and like uh cleaning products and like everything that they consume like all the chemicals are in it are fine but also like 60 years ago we were running around with like asbestos and everything oh yeah oh no but, but the fda is approved it must be good right but, like, they, they wouldn't sell us hands at a time and cancer Okay, it's not like people in, like, the 1970s were, like, barbarians that had, like, no concept of science, right? They are, for all intents and purposes, (laughs) modern people. They had, like, the scientific (laughs) method. They had it for, like, 400 years. And even with the scientific method, they had this substance called asbestos that I'm told is, like, bad for you for some reason. I, uh... (laughs) I saw microplastics floating in my Keurig pod, like, coffee today. No, but the thing was... Is that what those are? Huh. Oh, those little swirly, uh, oh, I'm yeah, sure I see those all the time. Card. I had no idea that those were the microplastics. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started on eating fish or seafood. Oh, no, but really? apparently what happened Oh, yeah, because they, like, ingest those like, microplastics, right? And it, like, filters into their body. Yeah, because, yeah, like, it's all in the water. There's, like, a film of microplastic just, like, that covers the bottom of the ocean, yeah. right? It'll be there. If you look at, you know, the geologic record in tens of millions of years, it'll be there. Right, like sud- like all of a sudden, like just like like layers of film, right, of like microplastic film, like tiny uh, stuff. No, but apparently, what happened was that like we've known benzene like causes cancer, and we know we've known that it's in hand sanitizer. We just there's an acceptable level, right? Mm-hmm. And then some biologist was just like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, I think the hand sanitizer you're giving out is too much benzene in it, and they were just like, oh, I guess we better stop. Better tell them to throw it away. Like, like, okay, I also like am kind of like a hand sanitizer truther in general. Like, regardless of these like uh, <laughs> ill effects, like I just like really find it hard to believe that this like you know slime actually makes your hands like that much safer. And to be honest, under normal oh, no, conditions, I feel like there's something to be said for like having like a steady stream of germs going into your immune system. Yes. Like that's how our ancestors yes. lived. This is like the way of the caveman. Like it's good to eat dirt every once in a while. I, I mean, I don't do it, but like, like I, you know, like kids eat dirt. I, yeah. you know, like. Uh, or you should start skateboarding. Like I got a common cold. Like once COVID ended, I got the common cold because I was going out to bars and things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, thank God, you know, like, like everyone I knew had the common cold. It was great. Like, <sighs> well, I would say I'm pretty uninhibited in terms of like, like I try to like be like personally clean, and I like you know often even shower like more than once a day. But I'm pretty uninhibited in like, terms of like, one I touch. You, you know, I'll, I'll like touch some like hobo who like uh, you know begging for money or whatever, even if he's really dirty. It's just like yeah, like whatever. Like you know, he, like yeah. you'll, you'll drink a Heineken bottle off the street, being like, ooh. Yeah, no, this is the way. I mean, it's what you haven't? <laughs> it's good. Like, uh, yeah. No, it's good. 
Also, yeah, our like our like uh, Homo sapien ancestors, like they weren't like well, you know, if they found a Heineken bottle in the street, they'd probably drink it too. Like, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> imagine if like a caveman was just like, oh no, I'm going to only eat purely sanitary food that comes to me in a package that is uh, presented in like like by like a uh, food processing corporation. Like, he would just starve to death, and he would probably yeah. be like the frailest, like frailest guy in the in the cave. Here's the thing: I, there's a paradox, right? Because on the one hand. People who buy like this organic food that like really the food that uh, tries to avoid all the shit we're shitting on, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, tries to avoid all the weird pesticides and stuff like that. On the one hand, that seems like we'd support this, mm -hmm. right? But on the other hand, those people are just the, the worst pe people on the earth, right? <laughs> like, uh, I'm not sure if they're on the right side of history or not. I can't tell. So as, right? I, as, as, like, far as, as I know, the, um, like the organic thing... Uh, like there's not really like a lot of like technical like regulations in terms of what gets called organic, right? It's like you have to have like uh, yeah. a picture of like uh, an animal or like a plant or something on the on the packaging, and then and then you get to call it organic. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are like, more <laughs> technical definitions, but I think that like organic like as a concept is actually like not a very like uh, regulatory term. Mm -hmm. So so that's why they put it on everything. But um, oh yeah, but like, like no one, I, no one refuses to buy something because it's not organic, right? And so everything tends towards like being organic, because you can also sell it for twice the price if you call it organic. Mm -hmm. right? I think that the um, the other part of this equation, though, okay, so like it's obviously like cringe to be like, uh, you know, oh no, like the the government would never lie to us. The you know, <laughs> industry, industry regulators like are totally like transparent now, and like you know, everyone like fifty years ago was really dumb because they're from the past, and everyone now is smart because we're in the present and we have science. But at the same time. I think there's another level of wisdom, which is like recognizing like all of the toxic chemicals in like our food and uh, air and um, water and uh, household products and everything. And then just choosing not to worry about it because, because worrying about it makes you weird. No, yeah, exactly. Right. Just like wash your hands after you shit and before you eat. Right. And inhale all the toxins. <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm not thrilled about microplastics. Like, if I really think about it, like, I'm, you know, it's a little disturbing. So why think about it? No, because it's unavoidable is part of the thing, right? Like, yeah. you'd have to go to great lengths to avoid it. Like, even if you were living out in the middle of the forest, right? Like, and you shoot some deer, that deer ate, like, a Coke bottle the day before. Like, you're just fucked. Like, like uh, it's everywhere. It's like, yep. I, I took the, you know, I took this class on, like, the, you know, geology right like the geologic huh. record like yeah. this shit's gonna be like it's, it's like the marker for when like like uh modern society has started it's like plastics these things will be around forever what do you think of like the uh the anthropocene concept the anthropocene i um i'm i'm in support of an anthropocene i uh as as an era like as a yeah as a tool i feel like I, the problem with like the I feel like the problem with the Anthropocene is just that, like, in geological time, like, the uh, the prevalence of humans and, like, their effects on the environment aren't a, uh, like, period so much as, like, a distinct event. No, right? like, the Anthropocene, depending on how you count it, is, like, either, like, uh, anywhere from, like, 100 years old to, I guess you could date it as early as, like, the, um, the megafauna extinctions, right? Yeah, I guess like yeah. if you wanted to go like hard, you could say that the megafauna extinctions are the beginning of the Anthropocene. But even giving that, like that's like uh, what three, four thousand years ago. 
like, it's like nothing. It's like 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 a fraction of a fraction of a second in geological. Yeah, like we didn't have. There wasn't like a separate like geological era or whatever for the end Pleistocene like mass extinction, right? And that took like many like orders of magnitude more time than like the so-called Anthropocene. So like the, this supposed you're, era is really you're, just you're like an event. What's that? You mean the best argument against it? Like like just like the the like how short the time span is, right? But like lots of changes have happened and will be present in the geologic record. Like right, so that's a geological event. Like crazy. I feel like you can no, like like, ge- like for example, right? like we 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 denote the KBG boundary right when the asteroid hit the Earth because there are like tons of like you know ash particles that like rain down. Like in some parts of the Earth, you can see like a huge like black line of like the ash that covered the Earth after the asteroid hit. And, and like killed off all the non avian dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, but like, if you look, let's say like 100 million years from now, right? If the earth is still around and hasn't been blown up by God knows what, if you look at like the geologic record, right? What you'll see is like tons of like, you know, like a huge uranium spike from all the nuclear testing, right? You'll see like tons of microplastics that like never decompose, right? It'll be like a huge line in the sand, right? Like or in the rock, like uh, I don't know. I, that, that's that, that's my two cents on it. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Like that sounds to me like an event, right? Like it's the same as like the um, you know, you can like discern like the breaking points of like these events, which, but like in the grand yeah. scheme of things, like those events, like what's considered like a discrete event rather than a period in like uh, Earth's deep history is something that takes like thousands of years. No, but events uh, demarcate geologic boundaries. For example. Like right. when the asteroid hit at the KBG boundary, like it's, it's not like there was the boundary and that's when the asteroid hit. Like it's the boundary because the asteroid hit them. Right. right? Like the asteroid is what made the boundary. Right. The so time. I'm saying that like human like changes to like the environment are like the boundary rather than like the era itself. I don't know. This is like kind of like a pedantic distinction, but I feel like it would make more right. sense when things settle down to speak of like a post human like environment like when things like reach some kind of like orbs of life or like wally like what like <laughs> yeah like when things reach some kind of like sustainable like equilibrium you know uh it, because i guess they have to at some point right like you can't have like the radical flux of like what we've done to the environment in like the past 100 years indefinitely yeah i think you know i think humans will you know either survive like why why are they die out like in the next thousand years or will survive for like millions of years right but probably yeah nothing i don't know yeah, like, uh, I, I think that's probably more or less right. I don't know. Um, that's uh, like, like thinking far into the future is just like uh, it can be very horrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, because like in, in many ways, it's like the only thing that matters, right? Like in many ways, like if you think that life is valuable and that people you know enjoy their lives and contribute, like you know, art and culture and everything, right? Like yeah. the m- number of people that could potentially exist is like so much greater than those who actually do. And those you have right yeah um, and like i think um the it, well it is like kind of like if you think about it consequentially it is like such a disproportionate impact that it outweighs everything else but like i, I think i think you know the the whole bostrom point about ex- minimizing existential risk is like actually correct yeah like, me too. <laughs> like, i think like you like, know like, insofar like, as like like of course i believe that there are like certain like moral side constraints or whatever that regulate your action but like insofar as you're, uh, you know, only taking, like, the consequentialist side of them, then obviously, like, uh, you know, securing the existence of 
humans in perpetuity is like a prerequisite for any other good that you can achieve. Yeah. So, which is why we should have a billion Americans and everyone should have nine children. Uh. <laughs> well, okay. This is the, this goes back to like the, the paradox of like people like not having children because they care so much about the environment. Oh, those people are stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, literally like the, the, the thing to do is to have like 10 children and then to indoctrinate them to be like eco-terrorists or something like, <laughs> Like if you really care about the, if you're really concerned about climate change, but like then you like, well, what happens if like all the people that don't believe in climate change don't have children, and then or, or all the people that don't believe in climate change have children, and then all the like uh, people that actually are like uh, concerned about it, they don't have children. Oh, and by the way, like one of the primary vessels by which ideas are transmitted is from parent to child. I- ideologies are transferred. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, like, like that. Good point, right? Like that's the whole point. So yeah, you know, um, like, John Brown, like, like the, the, the the slavery guy, like John Brown, he had like thirty children, and like he was like an ideological extremist, yeah. of course, and he like basically like brainwashed yeah. all of his children to be like anti-slavery crusaders, and they went with him to Kansas and like you know died like committing like terrorist acts to end slavery, and like that you know if you're really worried about the environment, that's like the reasonable thing to do. <laughs> Is to yeah. have 23 the children. The people who, like, struggle away from their parents' ideology is, like, rounds down to zero, right? And also, like, the argument for eco-terrorism is, like, like, like very straightforward, right? It's like, it's, like, one of the easier things to justify, right? Yeah, I mean, I disavow like, it because it's, like, well, first of all, I guess you have to be worried about optics. It? I, I, would, I have I to. This is, like, this is being released to the public, and, uh... I'm just, uh, I wouldn't publicly avow or disavow it. I would just, I would just say, uh... The argument for it is uh, is easy to make. Like it takes two steps. Like well, yes, <laughs> I agree with your uh, logic. I um, but uh, I, I if see I had the argument. I think all the EP executives. I uh, <laughs> I mean, I was the one that brought up <laughs> terrorism. So, but um, yeah, I, you know, Mr. Unabomber, he had a, you know, you have to separate the art from the artist. No, but he was he had like he had the his his method was totally off, right? Like he wasn't sending those to like BP oil executives' homes, right? Like, like, like no, uh, he was sending them to like technicians who could like actually like d- uh, achieve like the kind of like technological progress that he was trying to avoid. Really, I thought he sent it to randos. Oh no, they were like computer scientists and stuff. Like they were like what? Uh, <laughs> yeah, what? I think they were like they were like academics. Like the the victims of the Unabomber were like just like uh, computer science guys and like engineers and stuff that he uh, you know that he wanted to like intimidate to not like create new technology. Oh, that's horrible! Damn. Yeah, I uh. I guess Maybe. like the, the thing about eco-terrorism is that, you know, not to be too blue-pilled about it, but like you also do have to be like uh, cognizant of optics and stuff. So, right, like <laughs> if you're going to like do something that will result in like uh, caring about the environment being branded as like ISIS, then it might backfire in a big way <laughs> and it might like create like the ideological pretext to like, uh, you know, to shut the up. Government- the, the U.S. government is going to infiltrate ISIS and make them eco-terrorists to give uh, global warming supporters a bad name. It's pretty well known that the U.S. government just convinces crazy people to commit terrorist attacks. Like, it's oh like, yeah, uh, 
Yeah, there was like a new yeah. one like this so, week that it was just like some guy like with like this like perfectly like arranged like altar of like alt-right ideas and it had like a Confederate flag and I think he had like a Kekistan flag and a Nazi flag and an American flag and then it had like his books all laid out and they were just like Julius Evola. They had a harassment architecture which is just like an like an online book basically and <laughs> And pretty much, I don't know, as far as my timeline is concerned, like the uh, in, the consensus was just like, this is a total like uh, FBI op. Oh, no, yeah. Like the New York Times wrote about this and they're like totally just the worst, right? <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing, right? Like, uh, or things like Lab Leak, right? I was talking yeah. to someone about this today. It's like, yeah, like Lab Leaks, you know, it starts out with conservatives being right the whole time. Right. And then once the liberal media decides like it's worth covering first, it's the culture magazines, right? It's like New York magazine was the first, like Vanity Fair put something out like, like this week. Right. But we still haven't gotten to the point where like mainstream media is covering it seriously. Right. It's just like the culture, the cultural magazines, like, like see the writing on the wall and don't want to, don't want to have to explain away like, Oh, why did you talk about this? Well, I have not seen anyone try to debunk lap leak in like a month in the past month. Yeah. It's just like, 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 I think the, the, like the mainstream media doesn't cover it. Like it's not on TV, right? Like, why do like, you think that is? Why do you think it is that they TV? like uh, turned around like and uh, changed face in terms of lab leak? The only reason, the only person they let on TV was the old CDC director that Trump appointed and yeah. then CNN let him on. And he's like a little, he's like a little crazy, but he's mostly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they let him on just so they could like yell at him for, for being a Trump appointee right? <laughs> instead of uh, like tackling the idea head on. But, Wait, um, so, but it seems like the establishment is like really doing damage control or maybe it's not damage control. I kind of think they're pivoting to like, just like being like full on like China Hawk. And so oh, yeah. they've decided like, all, like, it's not like the people, evidence like, of lab leak just like recently became so overwhelming that they couldn't deal with it because like there was like, I think like there was like a, the whole thing about like people from the lab being infected like early, early on. In oh yeah, November. Yeah. That was in November. Yeah. But, yeah. but you know, now they've decided, like, the the institutions have pivoted towards, like, let's be hawkish on China. And so oh, now yeah, they're that's also, letting the right? cat out of the like, box. The last thing I want to do is stop, like, the gain-of-function testing in the first place, right? Yeah. Like, like the, the, it's, like, so easy to blame China and use it as an excuse for like, war with China. I think those people are evil, like, people who are hawkish towards China. Like, I think the last thing we want is another war, right? That's just, like, the worst thing in the world. Yeah, especially but, with, like, like, nuclear stakes. That, like, enters, like, Nick Bostrom territory at that oh, point. Oh, no, yeah, it's just awful. It's awful. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's just awful. But the thing is, a coronavirus could have just as easily escaped a lab in, like, UNC, right? Or at, like, Fort Dedrick, Maryland. Wait, right? is that where you like, said that your friend was doing, like, undergraduate uh, gain-of-function testing? Oh, oh, oh yeah my friend my friend took this class and, her, and the final project for her class was to make a bunch of like e coli bacteria like antibiotic antibiotic resistant right and that was the final project like i'm pretty sure the e coli they were using was like the kind that doesn't like get into food or anything it's just like some like inoculant strain but but just like the point is like yeah this is just what they do for fun like yeah, they just like just like some like, like casual like undergraduate gain of function research like, if you read the articles about this, like the New York Magazine article, like the Bolton Atomic Scientist article, right? And they describe in great detail, like, how exactly game function tests are done. 
there, there's been this whole like mini debate about whether what, what the Wuhan Institute was doing is actually going to function or not. And it's just like so clearly is, right? Yeah. Like the NIAID, like, like they, they, they deny it. Like the US government denies they, they funded gain of function testing because that's like a buzzword. Yeah. Well, like, so they call it some other thing. It's so clearly what it is, right? It just like stares at you in the face. And, the, and that's why, you know, the Vanity Fair article talks about this. It's like, that's why they don't want, don't want it to get out that they funded it, right? Because it just looks so yeah. terrible <laughs> that like, but it happens all over the place. Like, it's evil. It, like, it's caused, it caused the 1977 Russian flu. It caused this. Like, uh, yeah. it's just these people, uh, I, I still think Holbeck predicted it, you know, like in a roundabout way. I think elementary particles predicted COVID-19. Oh, in what respect? Know, like, uh, like this like physicist, like scientist guy, just like totally meaningless life. All he has is his work and he just oh. goes out and does it even though it destroys the world. Uh, like, uh, he doesn't I, care I, I guess like in, in that novel, he's like addressing like, uh, you know, kind of, um, he's creating his vision of the world based on like the failures in, that he's seen in his own life and his own desires, right? Like. You know, he, but he's I don't even like, think he believes in the vision he creates, right? Really? Like, uh, I, 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 I think he's totally apathetic. Like, he just does it because it's what he does. Well, I feel like that, like, kind of like homogenized, like, uh, like transhumanist world without conflict or whatever is like his approach to his feeling of alienation from his mom and like his detached lifestyle or whatever. I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe he like tacitly endorses it. Right, but I don't think he's like gung ho about it. Oh, I don't know. I think it like comes out of like his uh, sorrows in some sense. That's I don't know. This is like a, a kind of niche conversation, but uh, I was actually thinking I would love to do a podcast like just like talking about Welbeck, like and uh, in yeah. particular like a devoted podcast later down the road. So I'll uh, I'll call you. Are you still reading Submission? I'm halfway through. I'm halfway through submission. You know, the funny thing about submission is like, uh, Scott told me he was like, yeah, you know, my friend recommended it to me because I said I wanted a cozy book and I had read Elementary Particle <laughs> and I was like, well, there's nothing cozy about that. And yet submission is very cozy. It's like, you're just like, you know, yeah. sitting back like with a glass of French wine, like thinking about like the uh, encroachment of like, the Islamic court. The decline and fall of the French empire. Yeah, yeah, like, and like, you're just like kind of like making your all, peace with it. To Arthur no, but I and love like, like the, the pacing of it. Literally, is cozy though. Like it is like a travelogue. It's like him like going to like this shrine in France, and he's just like, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, here are my musings about this shrine. And then he goes back, and he's like, huh, I could have like a, I could have a thirteen year old wife. Hmm, what a concept. <laughs> oh no! I haven't oh, yeah, sorry. Yet. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh no. No, but it's, oh no, my God. No, but it's just like, the part where he's like, oh yeah, like uh, the, the Muslim candidate, like he wants to like unite like uh, like Rome again. Like, like I'm like, oh, that's actually very, uh, it's like very romantic. Yeah, he's like a true believer uh, in Europe. Oh, I mean, oh, an idea. Yeah. Yeah, like a pan-Mediterranean like concept of Europe, like it's it's great, and um, I, I love how it shows like some like kind of like continuity between like neoliberalism and like the Islamic Caliphate, because that's the missing step that's very hard to portray. And then he just creates this figure that literally like is like the embodiment of the synthesis of these two. 
uh, of like the Islamic empires of yore and the neoliberal European project. And uh, it's great. It's awesome. Uh, awesome. Everyone should read it. it it's also like <laughs> such a quick like read too. Yeah, which is why the fact that it's taken me a month to read is a testament to how slow I go. Yeah, me too. I like I'm very embarrassed to say that I have not finished a book in a few months. So there was one point when Nick was reading like a book every two days and like cranking one out. Oh yeah, like even like last year I think I finished with like uh fifty books or something in um, all the 20, 2020. Like, it goes straight to your brain, they block the neurons. Like what like what's going on? I don't know. I don't know. It's very bizarre. I feel like I just like I, I like used to think of it as productive and so I would like force myself to do it. And now when I'm reading I just think that I should be like applying to be like a dumb businessman or something. Like you're wasting so. time. Oh I see. I see. So oh, yeah, now I don't even have like that sense of duty because that's that duty is really the only way you can compel yourself to read. And yeah. you know, when I was in college, like I, I had like the Ezra Pound mentality. Like Ezra Pound went into uh, university and he resolved that he would leave knowing more about poetry than anyone else in the world. And he probably did, all things considered. And he just like holed up in the library. And so when I would like go to NYU Books and just like kind of uh, read or whatever, I was like I had that vision very specifically in mind. Oh. But now, I didn't know that about Ezra Pound. Oh yeah, oh, Nick, you should consider yourself a student, like uh, even if you're not at university. I think you know, like uh, what what Matt Damon said in uh, that movie was right. You know, like you can you can learn everything that anyone else learns just by reading yourself. Like you don't have to get a fancy degree. What is that like? Uh, the plus, it makes you so interesting. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just for its own sake. Like. Uh, I don't know. There is a, like a marked difference I noticed between like autodidacts and like people that went to college. And I think like autodidacts often have like better ideas and are more interesting because they're not like so epistemically handicapped by their own yes. uh, privilege. But like they also yeah. like are observably less adept at avoiding certain pitfalls, I think. I um, This happens all the time in math where people like rediscover the same theorems like on their own. Yeah. Right? Which, as a side note, hints at like the real, the realist like conception of mathematical truth, uh, like that this is just part of the world and people just yeah. like independently discover them. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, like like uh, I was watching this math lecture today, and this guy was like, "Okay, so we're gonna use these pentagons and triangles to like tile the plane, right?" And he like made all these crazy shapes. One of them looked, looked like a jester's hat, and uh -huh. he was like, "Okay, you get to this point, and if you go this one direction." If you make this one choice, uh, it turns out it doesn't work and you can't tile the plane. But if you make this slightly different choice, it tiles the whole plane and it goes like totally like you get, like all, in, in all infinitely in all directions, right? You can use these shapes to tile the plane, mm -hmm. like, like, like a bathroom tile, you know? Uh, and he's like, yeah, this guy in Japan like made the wrong choice uh, and he couldn't do it. But, but he was so close and he like showed the right way to do it. It made like one tiny change and like boom, like the whole thing worked, right? Yeah, so, the thing, uh, and, you know, this is like out of my, uh, out of my league informationally, I guess. Just um, the whole, like the impression that I get from advanced math is that it's both like incredibly elegant and uh, internally consistent, but also like extremely arbitrary at times. Oh, um, yes. Like that, that was like the first like big hurdle is like, you can prove things, but like not really, still not know why it's true, right? Yeah. Like it just like, it just is the way it is. And, and like maybe there is some deeper reason, right? Mm -hmm. But like, especially, you know, if you have these proofs by induction where you're just like, 
okay, well, it holds for this first case, and then it, if it holds for this case, then it holds for the next one. But it doesn't really give you like a deep like intuition about why, why it all like is held together, in the relevant way. I um, the crazy thing is like uh, you know, we hope math is internally consistent, but there's actually, if it is, there's no way to prove it. Uh, which is a result of Girdle, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is like a crazy. Uh, it's a second incompleteness theorem, uh -huh. which doesn't get as much attention as the first one. Uh, but yeah, just. Uh, but then again, that's not that's not really talking about math. That's just talking about a very specific, uh, like thing, uh, which isn't really math. Yeah, I, I feel like Girdle's incompleteness theorem is like kind of like one of those things that like pop oh, philosophy people like latch onto, and they're just like, "Well, yeah. you can't know everything or whatever." It's like Schrodinger's cat too. Like, I'm okay. I don't know shit about like quantum physics or whatever. Like, I'm not like uh, an expert, but I know enough to know what I don't know. And I know that oh, like yeah. Schrodinger's cat isn't just like, like people literally just take it as like an argument for like uh, epistemic subjectivity or whatever. They're like, oh, well you don't know if it's really a, a, like alive or dead. So it's basically both, which is like really like dumb, like on the face of it. Oh, it's yeah. like, it has to do with, I know that it has to do with like advanced details of like quantum computing and probability, right? Like it, it's not literally just as dumb as like, yeah, you don't know. know. Yeah. So therefore like, 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 Wittgenstein uses this metaphor of, like, you climb up a ladder to get to the top of, like, you, you climb up a ladder and then kick it out from under you once you get to the top. Yeah. Right? And that's kind of how I feel about, like, studying these results of Girdle. Like, I've spent, like, two years of my life just, like, trying to understand what they say. And now that I understand what's going on, like, like better than I did, I realize that it's not really that important. Like, <laughs> for, like, uh, like, like even, even within the context of math, right? Like, yeah. putting aside the question of whether math's important, right? Yeah. Like even in math, Gödel's result doesn't really apply to like what we consider to be like math mathematics, right? It applies to like symbol manipulation systems, right? Which is not how we think about numbers as like so like actual you mean to tell me that Gödel's incompleteness theorem doesn't just mean you can't know everything? Oh, does that mean the Bible's incomplete? Does that <laughs> mean uh, the Constitution's incomplete? I heard the Constitution is incomplete. I, uh, <laughs> Bro, these people are stupid. Like, like yeah. or it's not stupid. They just don't know. Like, like the way it's advertised is so misleading, right? Yeah. Like, there's been a whole book written just like debunking everyone's like wacko claims. Like, uh, like some people think that it means mathematics is true for no reason, and I'm like, I don't know. Maybe some of mathematics is true for no reason. But maybe oh. other part there is a reason. Like, uh, yeah, I guess I mean like it, the apparent arbitrariness of it because it can't be arbitrary because it like proceeds directly from like fiat, right? Like, but like the apparent truths are necessary. Like, you know, for yeah. a hearted example, like, uh, you know, what is a prime number? Like, which numbers are prime? Like, oh, just the ones that fit the criteria. Like, there's no pattern, yeah. no apparent pattern to it, except that they get more sparse generally as you go up in denomination. Oh, you'd be surprised about the, the pattern of the primes. It's actually, that's actually one of the biggest open questions in mathematics right now. Is, yeah, uh, but it is like apparently um, arbitrary, more or less, right? It might be random if the Riemann hypothesis is true, which right. we don't know, like, which is like a wall we face as a species. What does this like, word random mean? So this, I actually, I, I went to a bar with my math professor and we had like a 10 minute long conversation about this. Mm -hmm. I, uh, because randomness is actually a nice property for something to have, because you can also consider it like equiprobable, right? Mm -hmm. Like if something is random, that means that it's equally probable, like 
in the distribution. Whereas if it's not random, then that means, you know, there's some parts that are more probable than others. So like random, so, like technically it means like without cause, right? Like, like random, like randomness, if something is random, then it's not even really that random, right? Right. Like, then, like, there is uh, no randomness because there's nothing that isn't random. caused. Like everything that is, I guess like God, you like, could It'd be more random if you wasn't take random. notice. Take. It'd be more random if like, uh, yeah. It'd be, it'd be more random if like, it was just totally crazy. Like, like probability distribution goes up and down and all over the place. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It makes no sense. <laughs> But, like, everything is caught. Like, you know, if you're just, like, OMG, Epic Bacon, Neon Cot. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I love anime and I love uh, zombies. That, like, that's not actually random. It's just, like, because, like, random would be to have no cause. And, like, the cause in this case is, like, oh, you're 13 years old in 2011. Yeah. And, like, like, like you live in a society where these, these like, refer to certain things. And then... Uh, your brain acts a certain way and, and makes you think of these. Like I, I know Nick's a dualist, right? But uh, huh. it's definitely not the case that uh, that we have freedom of the will, like <laughs> like uh, in any uh, any any true sense of. Well, as far as like the free will question, I feel like it's like so definitional on some level, and like it's so abstract that I mean, except unless you are like a true like metaphysical libertarian and you just like believe in like randomness, but even then, like randomness. Because we're all God. God's will is like if you believe like, that like your will is random, then it doesn't really like uh, make you free per se, right? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, certainly not. I, uh, but I don't think my will is random. I think my will is 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 necessary, actually. Uh huh. Uh, it has to. You, I mean, you know, insane with everything, so. I mean, I kind of uh, agree. I, I think mean, that, like, free will is, like, a very, like, technical thing that exists by God's fiat power, but is, like, kind of, um... Free will, free will presupposes individuated agents, of which there are none. So, what does that to say about that. What, what does that much. mean in words? <laughs> free will, free will supposes there being, like, people who will things. Right. And and people, there like, no there are no people. Like, they're, like, like, people are not different. Or there are people, but they're not different from one another. Wait. Like, uh... I don't know. Have you, like, like Danny DeVito is like different. you and I are, are... No, no, they're not. I, you think really? that, but... Wait, but actually, Danny DeVito is, like, short and funny, and Hitler... They're both, is, they're, like, they're both uh, finite modes of God's uh, eternal being. So, I... So, Wait, so you're um, saying that you properly, are no different from Hitler? Whoa, that's not really No two individuals are uh, are truly different. I'm also no different from the chair I'm sitting on. So, so maybe maybe in a more broad strokes kind of way, we can uh, we can see, see monism. I I came across this this like uh, piece of driftwood in the sand at the beach the other day, and I, I, it reminded me of monism. Because it was like all these crazy different branches and like plastic tangled up in it, and yeah. like all these twigs, they're also there. And I'm like, oh wow, like all these different things, but it was all one branch, and it was connected to all. All of it was connected under the sand. You just couldn't see okay. it. When you say this word "one," though, what do you mean by what does the word "one" mean? Oh well, well, some would say that uh, God is only improperly called one because the notion yeah. of number requires conceptual distinction, of w of which there is none. Uh, all concepts right, like, are the same concept. All is being. All is love. Like, you know. 
Like, I think people are like misread led in Christianity by like the concept of the Trinity because they think, oh, there are like three persons in the sense that you can count them one, two, three persons. And it's like, no, it's not like that. Like God is like triune, but that doesn't, you can't count him. It's against the rules because to count imposes a limitation. It's exclusive by definition. So like, and like these things don't have like tangible boundaries the way that like finite, like numeric quantities do. So... It's like God's a continuous thing. That's interesting. But yeah, like, uh, like the, the biggest difference between... Uh, yeah? There yeah. is one God, but, like, it would not be accurate to say that God is, like, one in the sense of, like, the number God is not one. one. Yeah. God is only improperly called one. We just, it's, yeah. like, it's like a limitation of our language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. I, uh, Nick and, Nick's Catholicism and my monism, uh, my, my Spinoza monism, or uh, Della Roca monism, it, they, they differ in the sense, the biggest difference is that you know, uh, for Nick, like God created man and God like is separate from man. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas for me, like man is just a finite mode of God's being and is not, not really different from God. You know, I, I, I really feel like, uh, substances, they're kind of like genders. I don't know how many there are, but there are at least, <laughs> two. but there are at least two. I, feel, I said something cancel worthy in the first like one minute of the show. And now I can't show my girlfriend. Like, <laughs> Because <laughs> like, <laughs> the rest of the conversation's been fine. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll edit it out. Maybe I won't. I don't even remember what you said, other than like. You also have to cancel this part out. Otherwise, you would know. Oh, I um, I, I okay. I I'm burning incense right now, and you'll never guess what flavor my. Very Eastern of you. I'm surprised. I uh, I didn't know you were a, a sinologist. <laughs> yes, you did. I know a sinologist, like IRL. Like, <laughs> like, what's their take? Like, what, what, what kind of uh, sinology do they do? It's like the cringy kind. Oh, really? It's like it's like being a weeb, but for China. Like, well, I'm really interested uh, in like, uh, like, kind of like reviving like the tradition of Orientalism as it existed in like the 19th century, and you know, like, other than that, like more th- more than just that, it's like based or whatever. Like, I actually think like those. Like, <laughs> century orientalists like had a more authentic love and appreciation of the cultures they were studying than like the kind of like uh, liberal academia consensus because I was I like I majored in Middle Eastern and Islamic studies and like a lot of my classes they were literally just trying to put like this like post 9-11 like Iraq war framework on literally everything we studied from the Middle East and like it's just like, well, well how evil. is that any more respectful than just like being like, oh, yes, these mysterious people from the the exotic Orient, like they have, they are different from us. And I am interested in, and like actual like old fashioned Orientalists would often like learn their language and like be really good at like yeah. version or whatever. And like, they well, yeah, like, 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 like engage I'll just, I know, learn yeah. They were aware of yeah. their own like epistemic position in relation to it, right? Whereas like, now, like, I mean, ostensibly, like, you're supposed to be obsessed with your epistemic position in relation to the Orient, and yet, like, it all is supposed to coalesce into, like, this thing about, like, how Europeans are evil and have used 9-11 to justify persecuting the Middle East. Well, I, I think I think that the biggest trouble, like, psychology as a discipline was the fact that it was, like, like, like they, 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 they viewed themselves as, like, obviously, like, superior. Uh, like to to the people they were studying, right? Who? And it was like, like very why? hierarchical, right? No, I'm just saying as a historical fact, this is true, right? Like, why? Like, what, like, like which like, sources uh, are you taking? Like, 
like uh, but i think i think you know like like studying in other cultures like history and texts is like like these these deserve to be studied like they're like i think they're amazing right like, i don't like, really I, believe the premise like, that like these like disciplines like universally did like uh take themselves like to be superior like as like a foundational principle i just think i just think you know probably as an historical fact like like uh the professors that like you know cambridge or whatever like in like the 1800s are probably racist right well but like i think there's a way to do it there, there, there's contending. a way to do it where you're like wow like these these ancient chinese texts like their ancient like mathematical textbooks are like so amazing right and just like learn from them i mean they're like contending with like the objective like uh empirical reality that like at the time of writing in the 19th century like these places in the orient were at a like less developed stage stage so to speak in terms of like observable metrics than like western europe was i don't know about that i mean i don't know i don't know about this nick like uh like like, like i don't uh, necessarily believe the premise that like like i feel like a lot of these guys probably thought like oh cathay it is the greatest civilization which has ever existed and truly like the spark of human ingenuity like they were probably like more fetishistic about it than anything a lot of these you know like old orientalists no yeah they, maybe i don't know I, I don't know anything about them to be honest to be quite frank and i can like, speak from like in terms of like iran and like the 20s and 30s like there was like an indigenous kind of a school of orientalism that uh like i mean i guess you wouldn't call it orientalism because they were themselves oriental so to speak even though iranians are really like european spiritually but the um that they they were you know basically drawing upon like the same like uh sources of like the 19th century europeans and kind of like uh retooling it for like pan-iranism mm -hmm. anyway um yes this is my incense that i told you about wait can you see this <laughs> This is my, I, I mean, look, it, it smells great. You know, I was at, it was uh, on 14th Street. There are like some, like, uh, I don't know what to call them, but some individuals from ethnic minorities who sell various wares and uh, trinkets or whatever. And they, you know, they had a little stance with incense and all these wonderful flavors of incense. And I was smelling the different ones and I just really gravitated towards a, the black woman flavored incense. So, so yeah, I am a burning black woman incense right now. The traveling group of Romani people sell you uh, your wares. I mean, they're like black. Like this is like the thing. Like uh, when when we went to Italy, like my mom was like, "Oh, you have to watch out for like the gypsies on the bridge because." <laughs> oh no! And well, I my like, grandparents told me that too. Wait, mom. She told me like, told me like, black. She's she's like yeah, they're black gypsies. Like I guess like in the like kind of like Gen X like parlance, like um gypsy is more of like an occupation than an ethnic group. So. It's, like, it's, like, it's like an ethnic group, yeah. I, um, I mean it is, but I guess like language is ever changing, right? As like um it's so frequently reminded when you try to use words to mean words. So I uh no, I remember like like uh like some gypsy children like like tried to rob me when I was in Italy, like because that that's like that's like the strategy, right? Is like if you want to rob someone, send your children because if they get caught, they won't get thrown in jail, and also people don't want to hit a child, right? Like, yeah. Uh, though some people will, I've heard, which is a shame for the child. Yeah. Like, uh, 
But like, you know, if like a grown ass man is going to rob you, like you're going to get hit in the face. Right. So, yeah. And arrest well, I don't know about that. Like, I guess it wouldn't necessarily be my first instinct. Like if I caught someone in the act of robbing me, it wouldn't be my first instinct oh. to hit them just like punitively. I don't know. I, I, if someone tried to rob me, I would probably just give them whatever they wanted. Like, really? I, I yeah. Wow. I, uh, um, it depends. It depends what like virtuous of you, little bitch. I mean, like, I don't want to get fucking hit. Like, yeah. like that's not what I want. Like, uh, I don't even care. Like, if someone just came up to you like unarmed and they're like, "Give me your wallet," are you just gonna be like, "Oh, here you go"? Yeah, it, it depends, right? Like, if it's a really like like fat guy, maybe I'll like run away if I think I can outrun him. Like, uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not the skinniest guy in the world. Maybe um, it really depends. Is all I'm gonna like, say. Like, I feel like I would go down fighting just because of my pride. But no, but but that's what I did yesterday when this like guy like, screamed at me, and I I just had a bad time. Like, Wait, what guy? <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> oh no. So I don't know if he was Armenian or not, but this guy, um, <laughs> this, this Eastern European guy like screamed at me when I refused to pay the $3 to leave the parking garage because it advertised one hour free parking if I was at the grocery store, which I was. And then I was trying to leave and he was like, no, you have to go down and get a sticker from the grocery store. And I said, no, like open the gate. And he's like, he's like, no, you have to go get it. And I stood in my car for like five minutes. And I did not move. And a line of cars like piled up behind me, right? <laughs> I was like, I, I knew he wasn't gonna do it, but I really just wanted to spite him, uh, uh, for 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 making for ruining my day, right? Yeah, so for I just kind of like sat there. Mostly unpleasant. Like, it's literally like the only thing I don't like in people. Like my only grievance is like people who. Are I, I wanted to, I wanted to toss him off the side of the building. Like I was like totally like I was totally upset. Like uh, like. Yeah, I feel like I, I, like, I should have been like, wow, could I introduce you to the beauty of math? Why are you such a, like, sickly old man? Like, like why are you such like, a, a pernicious evil person? Like, uh, yeah, I feel like, I, like, in situations where I feel like my interlocutor is just being, like, needlessly aggressive, like, I just, like, yield to despair and want to hurt them. But, but you know what? On some level, that's just the way that they are. That's, uh... You know what they say about Armenians? <laughs>